Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 34. It's a bit of a devotional message this morning, nothing deep. Psalm 34. While you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. What does it mean to have a good life? What is, what is the good life? You know, I've, I, uh, I kind of cursed growing up in the 80s for me. Because the commercials and all that, I fell for it or whatever. It all looked like a good time. The, the question depends on who you ask. What is the good life? But as Christians, we have the good life laid out for us. And here in Psalm 34, I just want to look at four verses within this passage. And uh, we'll also look at some others. But if you look at uh, verse number 12... <coughs> It asks the question, what man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? That's what I'm calling the good life. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Seeing the good life for a Christian, and we, we see it laid out here in the next three verses, what that good life is or you know, a part of it. There's so many things as a Christian we worry about doing this, worrying about doing that. You have preachers that, that uh, well, we should all preach on sin. But look at verse number 13. It says, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. So there's something that you're keeping out of your life. And uh, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. That's, that's de- deleting something from your life. We're going to call that godly deletion. We're just kind of a one, two, three sermon here today. Okay. Verse number 14, it says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And I'm going to call that a godly direction. And that's changing your direction. See, you can't just take away from something. You have to put something back in. And then verse number 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. And that's a godly devotion. And that's where we are this morning. We're just going to have a little devotion. But the first part of it is, What is man that desireth the good life? You know, and, and I... I mentioned the 80s and whatnot, but another illustration I thought of was when I was in the Navy and we went to, me and another fellow, we went to Disneyland. This was the first trip that I had taken as an adult was to go to Disneyland because <laughs> I was all grown up. But uh, I remember going there and, and riding the Pinocchio ride because I was an adult and this was my first trip as an adult. We're riding a Pinocchio ride. I, I see somebody trying to figure out why we're going here. Because there's one part of the ride, the rides at Disneyland, they were pretty intense. And, and you go through one part, and everybody was selling. I don't even know if I'd seen the movie Pinocchio before I rode on the ride. But you go through the one part of the ride, and everybody's celebrating. They have candy. They're going over the hill. And, oh, man, it's a good time. They're riding the rides and everything. 
And then as you begin to go around, it takes a little darker turn. And you begin to see the reality of the place where they were. You begin to see the evil underneath. But the good life of a Christian involves moving away from all that. See, life tells us that you do this and you do that and life will be good. The Bible tells us that there's other things to have the good life. Jesus talks about an abundant life. Look over in John chapter number 10 and keep your fingers in 34 or your marker because we're going to be going to a couple passages this morning. And in John chapter number 10, Jesus is talking about the sheepfold. He says, verily, verily, verse number one, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Look at verse number 10 or verse number nine. Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. A lot of people go after the good life in their own way. But the real good life, the abundant life, is an exceeding good life. And it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the door. And in order to have that abundant life, and I said this is a devotional message. I'm keeping it simple. But the first part says, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. And I want to look at that. James chapter number three. Look over at James chapter number three. While you turn there, Jesus said in uh, Matthew, when he was talking about the Pharisees, the Pharisees were complaining about what they were eating. And Jesus said, it's not what goes in a man, but it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. He says, it's not the things that go into the mouth that defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. Matthew 34 said, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. So we're looking at godly deletion, taking something out of your life. And the book of James talks about the tongue. And if you look in the first few verses there, the book of James talks about how small the tongue is or how, behold the tongue, it's a small member, but it sets on, it controls big things. He gives the example of a ship's tiller. Look in uh, verse number one. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle a whole body. He said, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. You ever ridden on a horse? A horse can take you down. <laughs> a horse is strong. A horse can pull more weight than, you know, probably about 10 times more weight than a man. Uh, Clydesdale horses, they use them to pull carts. Those, but those great big old horses, those powerful animals, they steer them about with a little bit in the mouth. Just, and, and just pull on that bit and guide the horse. We don't realize out of all the things in our lives 
that we can do. You know, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's like the biggest lie we were ever told as children. And I tell you, for a preacher, one of the biggest fears ever since I've been called to preach, one of the biggest fears is what you get up here and say. Because if you sit down and you be quiet, you didn't hurt anybody. But as soon as you begin to speak, what you say can affect people. William George Jordan, he was a lecturer and an essayist in the early 20th century. He wrote a book called The Art of Self-Control. I'm not sure if this quote came from it, but he said, and pay attention because this is 1900s. He says, there are pillows wet by sobs. There are noble hearts broken in silence. Whence come the no cry of protest. There are gentle, sensitive natures seared and warped. There are old-time friends separated and walking their lonely way with hope dead and memory but a pang. There are cruel misunderstandings that make life, all life do, look dark. And these are but a few of the sorrows that come from the crimes of the tongue. What, what you say can hurt. And given the example of how that tongue can control great things... Verse number four says, Behold also the ships which though they be so great are, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listed. Just put that in context of today if you want to modernize it a little bit. Those giant cargo ships can be turned with a dial. Your tongue can change the course of someone's day for better or for worse. And, you know, godly deletion. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. It starts with what you allow to come out. Someone in a certain situation, you can add more to the problem than there really is. I've given this illustration. I think it's safe to give because it was years ago. I'll give it again. Um when I was working at the plant, at the glass plant. And me and the fellow, Mr. Ed, we didn't quite get along. There was also a problem with my mouth. I was very good at complaining. Y'all wouldn't know that today. Just the fact that you still know that and it's improved tells you how bad it was back then. Amen? But I learned something working with other people. I learned that you can hurt people with your mouth. And you say, well, that's easy enough. Well, sure it is. But when you, you begin talking about things that could probably just be left alone, you just kind of get them open. You know, I like to be open. Or I, like to, I just like to speak my mind. Well, speaking your mind, that doesn't always help, right? Over here in... Uh, Verse number five, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Just a little spark and set the woods on fire. California has been dealing with that. You know, they finally started raking the forest. So at the plant, I learned from someone else and I learned from myself. From the someone else, they were always saying, well, Mr. Ed said this about you. And then they would say, well, Keith said this about you, Mr. Ed. And me and Mr. Ed didn't get along. And then 
there was a period of time when she, this individual, this woman, she got pregnant and she was home on maternity leave. And the strangest thing happened after about a week. Me and Mr. Ed could stand working with each other. I never forgot that. It was the strangest thing. All of a sudden, we were getting along. Oh, you need a hammer, Mr. Ed? I'll get that for you. Because we weren't worried about what the other thought. If we knew what people were thinking about us, we wouldn't want to deal with them. You, want, you think you want to read minds. You don't want to read minds. It's bad enough trying to read faces from up here. I, it took me a long time to learn not to. But uh, the way that I learned on myself was somehow I thought by complaining about things to somebody else that maybe that person would change. That's a sad thing to say. That's a bad way to be. Now, some of you grew up with character, and you knew better from, from the early time on. I've worked with some people that, that never said anything bad about anybody. You know, They're easy to work with and, and uh, get along with. But then we had a meeting one day. And if we, we needed to fix some problems. And I was thinking, yeah, we sure do. We need to fix some problems here. We sat in that meeting, and all of a sudden, I realized I was the problem. <laughs> and they were talking about fixing me. <laughs> so you go back in life, and some of y'all never had that problem. Some of you still have the problem and don't realize you have it. But you begin to add to it. We're talking about having the good life and starting off here with... The importance of the tongue. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Jesus said, out of the heart proceeds the things. It's not, it's not the things that go into the mouth that defiles man, but that which comes out. And it comes from the heart. In Jeremiah 17, 9, he says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs 4, 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know, when it comes to the matter of heart and letting things out, you know, every movie nowadays will tell you, or every book, it'll tell you, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Follow your heart. The heart's desperately wicked. Follow this. Follow the Bible. I told you all this was going to be a simple one. Verse number six, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the, earth, in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison." And you go back to verse number two, he said, If any man... Offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. If you can control your tongue, you can control the whole body. There. Verse number nine, he says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not, be so, ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? 
Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. He says, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom, controlling the tongue. So I said this was going to be a simple one. To live the good life, the first part of it is godly deletion. Watch how you approach, how you use your tongue. Look at Psalm 34 again. Verse number one. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast, boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So verses one and three. See, not only does there need to be a godly deletion, but there needs to be a godly direction. Your tongue can be used to hurt people, but it can also be used to build up. Your tongue can be used to curse God, but it can also be used to praise God. If you want to live the good life as a Christian, if you want the abundant life that Jesus Christ offers us, not only do you need to get saved, but to live the good life, you begin your focus on God. You begin to take things out. And I've talked about the law of subtraction and addition. If you try just simply subtracting something from your life, all you're going to think about is that thing that you're taking out of your life. You're going to leave a void that needs to be filled. Do you understand what I'm saying? And your entire focus will be on that thing. Now, let's pick on me for a minute. Because this is safe, right? Them donuts Miss Gay brings every Sunday. And I don't want her to stop. When y'all aren't looking, I get a little sniff of them. Because I can't eat them. I tried the cheating route. But I start to feel it, and then I think neuropathy. And I really don't want that. That's irreversible. There was, a, there was a friend of mine that went and had surgery, and the doctor's like, you hadn't been taking your medicine, you hadn't been watching what you eat. And he said, we can try this bypass, but the veins were too bad. So I, that's on my mind. If all I did was worry about them donuts, I'm going to grab one eventually. I mean, there's cream filling over there. There's strawberry filling, chocolate filling. I used to be able to grab one whenever I wanted and have a Dr. Pepper to do. I don't know how I'm still alive now. Because once you start taking that stuff out, it starts to look evil to you. But... If all you do is try to take something out of your life, and I don't care if it's drugs, alcohol, relationships, or whatever, if all you do is try to take that out of your life to make a better life, to have the good life now, to have that abundant life, it's not going to work. So not only do you subtract something for your life, but you need to add something into your life. And we see there in verse number one that David, he was already 
he already had something else in his life. See, he said, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. But over there in Psalm 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So he was adding praise to the Lord. Now, verse number, uh, in verse number 14, it says, depart from evil and do good. So right there, you see the law of subtraction and addition in the same verse. Depart from evil and do good. Just don't, don't just stop at not being evil, but do good. Go to Galatians chapter number five, because we're going to tie this into our Christian life. Galatians chapter number five. And look at verse number 13 when you get there. In the Christian life, we depart from evil, but we cling to good. And more specifically, follow with me here in verse number 13. He says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now the Bible talks about the flesh and the spirit. And you know that's my favorite topic to get on. But the flesh, as long as we're here on this earth, we're in this flesh. This is our body. This is our our earthly body. But when we receive Christ as our Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. When you accept Christ, you receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, contrary to what you may think, those things fight against each other. You know, if you think that, well, I'm saved and sin stopped or the ability to sin stopped. If you leave me or not, I'm telling you, the Bible doesn't agree with that. Because you have Paul over in Romans chapter seven, and I'm not going to go there, but Paul goes through the whole battle. He said, when I would do good, I do not. That when, when I would, would do good, sin is with me. He gets all the way to the end, and it's like a cry of frustration. He says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Because it's frustrating. It's frustrating as a Christian. Some of you probably got it whipped, and you're just sitting out there. I don't know what you're talking about, Brother Keith. But there's a battle that takes place within the body. Look at it. Verse number 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. And then verse 16, this is our money verse. He says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And here Paul is talking to saved Christians, the Galatians. He's talking to the church. He says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if anybody disagrees with me after, we can look at the Bible and you can set me straight. But verse number 17 says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. And there's the picture of the two dogs fighting within him. You got the evil dog, you got the good dog. You got the good angel, you got the bad angel. But there's a fight that goes on. There's a decision point when you reach temptations. That's over in James. He said, let no man say when he is tempted, he is tempted to God. 
but every man is drawn away of his own lust. Um, but it says, for the, le- le- the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now remember, we're talking in the context of a godly direction. We've taken out, we've taken out the tongue. We've, we've, we've learned not to use it, but we're adding something into our life. And these are the things that were taken out. He said, depart from evil. Back in Psalm 34, he said, depart from evil, do good. So verse number 18, but if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. That's, that's lust. That's looking at uh, things in a wicked way. Idolatry, that's worshiping other gods, witchcraft. It could even be yourself. You might even worship yourself. It could be worshiping idols. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. Strife, we were talking about the tongue earlier, right? I'm not going to go into all these, but these are the works of the flesh. These are the things that you do in the body, that you can do in the body. But in the context, verse number 13, he says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Paul is telling you're capable of it, don't do it. And we could go into Romans chapter 6 and all of that, but we're trying to keep it within the context of this sermon. And he says, uh, verse 22, (coughs) these are the things that you ought to desire. Verse 22, we have the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Now, when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, remember he said, walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Walking in the Spirit is drawing close to God. It's just like David said, he He put away evil speaking, but he praised God. He began walking in the spirit. You you put these things aside, but you begin to draw closer to God. You know that verse, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. You begin to draw closer to God. And I know for a lot of us, it's just a reminder. I told you it's a devotional message. But uh, depart from evil and do good. And it's going into a godly direction. And he says, seek peace and pursue it at the end of that verse. Well, when we look at the fruit of the spirit, one of the fruit, one of the part of the fruit of the spirit is peace. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, long suffering, gentleness, goodness and faith. Let me see if I can put this in some kind of context, some kind of without going too far off. Have you ever dealt with somebody that can make a part, make something in life a lot more difficult than it really is? Not too many people have, right? You, You may not know that person. I mean, it's simple. Let's go to McDonald's and eat. Oh, such and so over at McDonald's, you know what she's doing? 
I don't really care. I just want a hamburger. You know? And it's like, well, such and so is coming over to visit. Oh, well, you know what they do, and that's the tongue. You begin to turn it around, and you begin to look at what are the positive side to them. Put this in another context. Y'all, do y'all know about Mike Lindell? I listen to way too much politics, and I'm really trying to trim back, but, you know, this year is bigger than 1969 when you see what, what's going on. I just hate to miss some of it. But Mike Lindell, my pillow, you know, ever since the man, whatever, whatever side of the spectrum you're on, it doesn't matter. We're talking about Mike Lindell here. And, and I've heard Mike Lindell do interviews and things like that. When he started out, he got into drugs. And they took over his life. I mean, to the point where, you know, somebody said that he did something. He's like, well, I couldn't have done that because I was in jail then. <laughs> he built up a business. He got saved. He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And his life turned around. And he was doing those commercials on TV. and what. I didn't know him really before any of this. But Mike Lindell got saved. And not only that, but he, he got away from the drugs, but he went toward Jesus Christ in a big way. The things that he do, does are to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. He not only has my pillow, but he also started a place where people can get off of drugs and things like that to help him. Unashamedly, anywhere that he witnesses, whether it's on, or anywhere that he speaks, whether it's on TV or whether he's interviewing. Now, I've listened to a podcast or two, and I'll tell you, not getting into the politics of it, other than the fact that now that Mike Lindell is supporting a certain thing, or some certain somebody, that the, the people that used to tout him are against him. So that every interview is laid out like a trap. And I'll hear him talk about interviewing with somebody, and I'm thinking, yeah, they have no good intention for you. But, you know, he gives them credit. He's, he says, you know, and they, they see this and they'll turn or they'll, you know, and I just want to show them Jesus Christ. And that's all that he cares. He doesn't care about talking bad about anybody. He, his only goal is to promote Jesus Christ and what's right. That's turning away from that tongue. That's turning away from here and turning toward Jesus Christ. That's, that's taking something away and adding something in. Hopefully I didn't lose anybody on that because the important part of me, and it's really been inspirational, is I even bought a pillow. Dee said, it'll make your neck hurt. I said, I don't care. If it does, you'll never know. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't. I like it. Um, so the works of the flesh it says for the flesh lusts against the spirit the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would but if you be led of the spirit you're not under the law that's what I was looking for verse 16 this I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh and in the next verse go back to Psalm 34 Verse 15. 
It says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. There's a lot of people that have tried to take things out of their life and tried to turn towards something else. Our source, if you ever leave your source and you try it on your own, you're on your own. And this last one, not only godly deletion, watch how you use your tongue, godly direction, turn toward the things of God, turn your life toward the good, but a godly devotion. Because you can turn away from something and turn toward something, but you could still end up in the same path if you're not turning toward the source. A godly devotion. He said, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. In Psalm 63, David said, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, And then back in Psalm 34, he says in verse number four, he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Remember in verse 15, it said, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. He said, verse number four, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So my question this morning, do you want the good life? Do you want the abundant life? It's in Jesus Christ.